Hello, everyone. This is Shannon Morgan, and you are listening to episode 11 of Sound Mind, a place to openly discuss the struggles in our minds, including mental health, trauma, addiction, and more. I'm not a counselor, and this podcast is not meant to replace professional therapy, more like somewhere you can go to find connection and learn how other people's experiences can aid in your own journey. Speaking of which, I work in the field of behavioral health as a peer and youth support specialist. Working with both adults and children, I share my lived experience with mental illness, trauma, and addiction in order to connect with clients and help them see that they are not alone. Helping them to share their own story, set goals, build hope, and live more self-directed, purpose-filled lives. And that is the spirit I'm bringing to this podcast show. The website for Sound Mind is soundmindpodcast.com. There you will find social networks, learn about guests, and where you can leave a comment or send me an email. And I would love to hear from you, especially if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have a reaction to an episode. Now, on to today's guest. Derek Self is an educator in the Treasure Valley teaching career technology and is married with two children. Derek has struggled with depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation from a young age. He grew up in a religious household and struggled with his faith even as a child. Moving into adulthood, the dynamics of his family have not helped with his anxiety or depression, and four years ago, he was ready to end it all. Thankfully, today he is still here to mentor his students, helping them to navigate the same struggles he has faced. And with that, let's meet Derek. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are things going? Um, pretty good. I'm uh, at work just uh, trying to get some stuff ready for this upcoming week. Ah, how's the school uh, year started for you? Hectic and crazy? Oh, or? oh yeah. Yeah. Insane. The first two and a half weeks were very stressful. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, it's stressful on our end, and I'm thinking about the teachers and educators, and I'm just like, oh, gosh. I can't even imagine how much you guys are going through. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, let's see here. Well, what are you wanting to know? <laughs> just some general information about, like, how, what kind of guy you are. Um, yeah, so I work in education, and... Um, I just try to stay busy with everything, and this was a new uh, career change uh, about four years ago. This is my fifth year, and um, I like sports. That's about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I like spending time with my wife and kids. All right. Well, how about we just jump right into the, to the meat of the questions then? Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you grew up and how it's impacted your recovery throughout the years? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Southeast Idaho in a uh, pretty religious household um, with some high expectations. And um, with that came a lot of anxiety and depression. And then, um, you know, throw in my parents' divorce right around adolescence. That didn't help either. And um, from, from a young age, too, I, you know, butted heads and struggled in um gaining common ground with my mother and that continues on to this day and it definitely plays into um the stuff that i struggle with on pretty much a daily basis what kind of stuff are you talking about um anxiety and depression um really a lot of it comes down to feeling like i'm never good enough or that i'll never be good enough 
So is that what you're meaning when you said that it came with expectations when you were growing up, like being in the religious household, there was expectations about how you were supposed to be? Oh, yes, that. And um, there's also other stuff with um, just from my mother's childhood and how she grew up that mm -hmm. she pushed a lot of her experiences onto us. Um, for example, I was always into athletics and she hated athletes. She hated jocks. <laughs> and um, so me wanting to play sports as a kid, like I got to do little league and some junior high stuff. But one thing that I always remember is I had always wanted to play football, but she never wanted me to. Mm. And then she allowed my younger siblings to play like little league and stuff. So there's always some resentment towards that. So how, um, how, how old were you when you started struggling with anxiety and depression? Um, I'd say around seven or eight is oh, okay. when I remember. Um, and don't exactly remember how old I was, but it was around that time that uh, I had actually started seeing a counselor about it. Mm -hmm. And how is it manifesting in your life now? Um, like the anxiety or depression? Yeah, like how does it, um, I, both of them, like how do they, what does it feel like for you to live with anxiety and depression like inside your body? What does it feel like and what does it look like? Well, so the depression, I've never been clinically diagnosed on that. Um, I did start seeing a uh, therapist as an adult about four years ago, and she had said it sounded like I was struggling with it, um, but I never went forward to actually get diagnosed um, with the anxiety. I've been on medication for that. Um, the um, And coping with it really just comes down to like the coping techniques that I've learned throughout the years, um, both from a therapist and from my wife who um, is a counselor as well. Mm. Is that helpful to have a wife that's a counselor or does it get, does it, there's a conflict there? Um, <laughs> so when she first started going to school, um, it, there's a couple of conflicts, but uh, I, I'm a football coach, and so there was also a couple of conflicts there as well where she would remind me that I was treating or having expectations like she was one of my football players, and then I had to remind her that um, she was would be talking to me like I was in a counseling session, but that only happened a couple times, um, and ever since then, it's it's been great to be able to talk and you know, she struggles with anxiety as well. And mm -hmm. um, just both of us knowing uh, how important mental health is, I think is what helps both of us because we're very open about it with each other. We don't try to hide it. Um, and I think her being in that profession is what really um, opens up that door for that open communication. That's awesome. And how does that, how do, um, cause you have, you live with anxiety and depression and you work with students. How does that work um, with them? Does your mental health influence how you are as an educator? Oh yes, totally. Um, uh, at, at my school a couple of years ago, we had a couple of suicides in our school and um, they actually had started implementing, they were planning on this before they happened, but um, to really address mental health and talk about um, 
depression and suicide and stuff like that with our students and how to help them with it. Mm-hmm. And my personal experience with that stuff is, and having that open uh, communication with my wife has helped me to tell my students and work with them and be like, Hey, you know, if you're struggling, you know, here's been my experience. And I um, had a couple of students last year that, you know, we were able to sit down and just talk about our experiences and, you know, I don't know if it helps them because they've never vocalized that to me. But um, there's always that hope that, you know, having that conversation, they if when they start struggling with stuff, they can be like, hey, you know, my teacher told me this and, you know, they went through it there. I'm not the only one. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for me, because for so long in my life, I felt like I was the only one that felt that way. Um, especially being raised in that religious household, it was thought that I was doing something wrong religiously and I was being punished. And it wasn't until I was an an adult that I realized, no, this is like real. This is not um, based on your life choices or anything like that. Yeah, that's really well put. I mean, the whole um, the whole reason for my job and peer support is to do what you're doing with your students. It's just to share stories like, hey, I've I've had pseudo-suicidal ideation and I've attempted suicide in the past, and this is how it affected me and the people that I know, and this is what I should, would have done different. And and having that connection and sharing that common experience helps to diffuse it. Right. <laughs> Well, you also, you struggled with alcohol um, addiction. Can you tell me how that has played out and through your journey? Yeah, so um, I I was raised in a house where alcohol was forbidden. And there's also the um, stigma that, you know, if you have one drink, you're all of a sudden an alcoholic. And then in my 20s, um, I actually struggled really hard with it after um, – a failed relationship to where I was drinking a bottle of liquor a day and um, made some really poor choices. Luckily, no one got hurt from those choices. And then um, I learned how to really control my drinking. Um, However, with the anxiety and depression, there's times that um, I do over drink and especially when I'm feeling depressed and you know, alcohol is a depressant. And so it really exaggerates those emotions and those feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to be careful with that as well. Um, when I get depressed, because I have bipolar disorder. And so there's not a matter of like, if I get depressed again, it's when I'll get depressed again. <laughs> and then, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally true. Yeah, monitoring my body and myself to know like if I'm drinking for just like, hey, I'm, I'm just having some fun relaxing versus drinking because I want to numb myself out and not feel anything. It's like always monitoring what those experiences are and, and trying to, to keep myself accountable. Right. And that's the way um, like my early 20s and my early 30s were because uh, in my mid 20s is when I met my wife. Um and I kind of ignore the stuff from my family that would trigger me mm-hmm. and lead me into those depressive episodes and lead me to um, drink heavily. And then, um, and then in my 30s as well, when stuff changed in 
my family dynamic and um, I started feeling like my wife and children were being left out and ostracized mm -hmm. by my family. Um, I started drinking heavily again and that's actually when I um, was seriously contemplating suicide. Mm -hmm. And then um, that's when I started going seeing a therapist and I learned, you know, just how to manage my emotions, manage my drinking. Um, I had gone to some groups and realized that um, there's a lot of people out there that have it worse than I do when it comes to abuse. Mm -hmm. And that has helped me to really monitor my usage. Yeah, again, another example of sharing your story with other people and then hearing their stories and having it uh, diffuse what it is that's in, inside of you that's causing the problems. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's helped me a lot. I've just cut a lot of stuff out of my life that leads me into those episodes and it, and it helps. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the religious background for you has been a serious contributor to your struggles throughout the years. Oh yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> It just is it just uh, well I'm trying to I didn't have a religious upbringing like my my parents are agnostic and so uh, I don't have uh, any kind of reference um, when people talk about that but when you're when you're saying things like I going through a depression it made me feel like I had done something wrong and I was being punished like that that's pretty harsh that's pretty hardcore to feel that way when you're just dealing with depression to make them also have it feel guilty about something you might have done right yeah and a lot of it too I feel is um, cultural as well mm -hmm. when tied into the religion I grew up in um, just because I've met people of the, that same faith that I was raised in and they see it differently um, mm -hmm. so I truly believe the area that I grew up in in the culture mm -hmm. um, and also the area that my mother grew up in and the culture that she learned from that had a lot to do with it Mm-hmm. Well, what tools have you used to maintain your mental health and sobriety? I'm sorry, what was that again? What what kind of tools have you used your coping skills to maintain your mental health and, and manage your drinking? Um, so generally, like throughout most of my life to manage like my anxiety um it has just been to be busy. Um however now that I'm older uh, I have to watch myself on that because I do tend to overwork myself. Mm -hmm. And last year I had a minor health scare where I blacked out for a couple seconds because my blood pressure spiked. Oh. And I already have high blood pressure. I'm on medication for it. Um, so now instead of just taking on every single task that I possibly can to keep myself busy, um, I've picked up some hobbies. Um, mm -hmm. Like I started learn, learning woodworking. Uh, I started making crawfish traps and um, just finding different projects that I can do at home that That's don't awesome. take me away from my wife and kids. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have idle hands. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of fun, though, learning woodworking. That's something I always wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. It's a little bit struggling or uh, frustrating sometimes. Frustrating. But um, yeah. I don't like wasting money. And if you cut wrong, then now all of a sudden you have a piece of wood you can't use. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of get that with making jewelry because you have like the wire that you use to make things. And if you mess up or cut it too short, you gotta start all over again and you waste all that wire. Yeah. <laughs> What's been the biggest hurdle in your recovery? Um, 
having the feeling that um, I need to have a relationship with my family um, to be happy, that's been the biggest struggle. As years go on, it gets mm -hmm. easier. Um, and when I started therapy, um, my therapist had said, you know, that she didn't, she wasn't a believer in um, cutting family out. But if it comes to the point that's so toxic that you have to, then you have to do it. And um, eventually it got to that point to where I just had to cut my family out and really set um, ground rules and boundaries, mm -hmm. which is something that they struggle with. And um, yeah, as I said, that's been the toughest part because I feel like it's my fault that they don't want anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. um, and that they try to manipulate situations to get things the way that they want it. And mm -hmm. so I feel guilty on that. And so eliminating them out of my life. Well, I wouldn't necessarily eliminating. That's not my goal. Um, but setting those ground rules mm -hmm. and if they choose not to follow them and not be involved in my, my children's life, then that's okay. Yeah. Boundaries are super important, super healthy to have those. Yes. Sometimes it's really hard to put them up, especially with people that are close to us because they know like how to, to diffuse our defenses. Um, yep. So sticking to the boundaries is sometimes super duper hard. Um, what, um, do you have any gifts or abilities because of your mental health diagnosis, do you think? Um, probably the drive to stay busy and, um, keep myself busy and learn new things. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. And also being in education, it's helped me to be able to connect with some of these kids and let them know that they're not alone. That's awesome. Uh, what, if anything has, um, people said or done for you that has helped you? Uh, my therapist and my wife tell me that it's okay that if these people that um, manipulate you or don't want to follow the boundaries, mm -hmm. that it's okay that they're not in your life. Even if they're, you know, siblings or parents, it's okay. That's got to be hard, though. It, it was hard at first. It's, it's getting easier day by day. Mm -hmm. um, so... Do you find that when you set the boundaries that people are starting starting to understand that it's a serious thing that you're doing and they have to follow them or they just kind of brush them off and um they've just brushed it off mm -hmm. um they uh unfortunately some people in my family feel that um they're always the victim mm -hmm. and so they don't really listen to my side they just see when i point out all when I point out the things that I'm upset about, they take it as an attack on them. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. Yeah. Well, what advice would you give someone who is just starting um, the recovery or thinking about going into recovery? Um, it's okay to fail. You're going to fail at stuff. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I'm not a, well, I've, I've recently, uh, found a, um, 
process called the ham method that um, reduces harming yourself or others and tapering, which has really helped me that, you know, it's okay if you fall off the wagon every now and then, as long as you have the goal to mm -hmm. like for me with alcohol to become alcohol free um, rather than just going cold Turkey right off the bat. Um, I did that once and uh, I, it spiked my anxiety and I had panic attacks and it was really bad. And it's tough when you do that, when you know that there's this drug that you have, cause mm -hmm. alcohol is a drug that can help alleviate that. So um, that's been my goal is, Hey, you know, if on a weekend night I have, you know, eight beers, tell myself, Hey, you know, Saturday, let's try Let's try just to have five and then mm -hmm. work down from there. And that's been working for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it awesome. really has. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like that as well. Cause the, I, well, I had a drinking problem in the past. I don't have one anymore. I don't drink hardly ever, but I, I did that tapering um, too, just, just because it's made more sense to me than quitting cold Turkey. And uh, it definitely, definitely helps. Yes. Yes. Totally. Especially if, you know, it's heavy, like in my twenties, I was drinking so much. I mean, you can have mm -hmm. some serious um, health and um, mental health uh, ramifications from just going cold Turkey. Yeah, mine was in my 20s too. I was and I was in school in college and an editor in chief in the newspaper. And I'm like, how in the hell did I manage a drinking problem while I was managing all this other stuff? But I had undiagnosed bipolar disorder too at the time, so that's another reason I was drinking heavily. When, once I got medicated, and the medicate, I found medications that actually worked. Then I didn't drink as much because I was self-medicating to tamper down all of those feelings and crazy whirlwind of cyclone of emotion that is inside me all the time <laughs> when I drop yeah well and that helped me too when i got on my anxiety medication which mm -hmm. i need need to uh get on it again <laughs> with yeah with the stress of this year but being on that helped because then i come home and i didn't feel so stressed or anxious that i wanted to crack open a beer or pour myself a drink um it helped to regulate that the anxiety in me mm -hmm. totally well do you have any final thoughts before we close the podcast um you know there's a lot of resources for people out there and um you know you're gonna fail at times and it's okay to fail um the biggest thing is you know if you're struggling with anxiety or addiction or um suicide you know there's a lot of sources out there that help people out and it's not afraid that or it's not a weakness to ask for help that's probably been the biggest thing that's helped me because earlier on i felt like i was weak um mm -hmm. if i had to admit that i had something wrong with me um and also you know for me um growing up in that religious household and now i am an atheist um for people like that that are agnostic or atheist there are programs out there for people like us, you don't have to necessarily go the, the AA route, which ties in a religious aspect of it. There's other solutions out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Definitely. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take it okay. easy. Yeah, bye. Bye.